Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jay here for Stratford Paddock. This is the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ronaldo Brown. How are we doing, mate? Doing brilliantly well. How are you, Jay? I'm, I'm <laughs> all right. I'm all right. I'm still, uh, I'm still missing being at the football, but, you know, at least we get to watch yeah, it on the telly. Um, hopefully it won't be too much longer, although, I don't know, when is, when is the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, we are going to be talking about, obviously, the latest transfer news and giving updates on Manchester United. And today we're joined by a very special guest, friend of the channel, Henry Winter from The Times joins us. Henry, thanks for coming on the channel again. Hi guys, good to hear you. I'm also glad to hear you back playing five-a-sides again. <laughs> well, Ronaldo plays. I'm, I'm more of a motivational speaker, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, don't, don't discredit yourself. I know you play, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like to shout advice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Important role in football. We're going to talk, obviously, about Manchester United, about Laguna Solskjaer, a little bit about some of the transfer rumours doing the rounds as well. Um, I just want to start with a question about um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And there's sort of two sides to this, really. There's been reports that he's set to be offered a new deal or set to sign a new deal in the summer, um, sort of regardless of whether we win the Europa League or not. So two points to it, really. Do you think he will sign a new deal? Do you think he'll be offered it? And do you think he deserves a new deal? Probably yes to all three. I think in terms of the most controversial one, does he deserve it? Which I know splits a lot of Manchester United fans and certainly quite a few in the media. I think what the main thing that Solskjaer had to do was restore the identity of Manchester United on the pitch in terms of the attacking, in terms of the youth, in terms of the, you know, the width. Uh, and also, I think, off the pitch as well which obviously is not so obvious, but you can sense a different mood around the place since Solskjaer returned. There seem to be sort of more smiles. There's a, look, it all comes down to results ultimately. And the last year it's been difficult to sort of define a club because everything is behind closed doors. But I think Solskjaer, because of his personality, because it's about the team, it's not about him. There's no ego. There's no playing up to the press. There's no throwing players under the bus. It's all about doing things the United way. I know that might be a cliche and that might annoy some Manchester United fans, but I think it is important. It's about the academy. It's about uh, an ethos, an attacking ethos. I I was at... um, Leicester the other night in the or the other afternoon in the cup game and I was re- I was actually really disappointed and I thought Solskjaer actually let you know the uh, the fans the viewing fans all of you around the world down because I thought he should have gone for that because that was a great opportunity and it's really down to the Europa League but look at the end of the season you've got to a European final and finish second to an outstanding Manchester City team in the league at a time when okay Liverpool have had a dip but you know Chelsea have got stronger. Leicester are obviously up there. Teams are investing. I, I think it'll be a pretty decent season. But I think it's a sort of cultural thing as much as the, uh, the, sort of the, you know, the results on the pitch. You're still over-reliant on a couple of players and particularly Bruno, Bruno Fernandes. But you, you can just see, you can see the direction of travel is right. You can see the defence is improving. You probably still need a centre-half. You can see Liverpool you know, are, uh, are investing for the future and Canate. Um but Luke Shaw's, if you, if you want the ultimate compliment for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and why he should probably get this new contract, is you look at 
how Luke Shaw is playing back in the England team, probably may well start the Euros. He is now a liberated individual. Um, I wrote columns on it at the time about, I thought Mourinho's treatment of him, A, was bad, but B, was naive because you don't bring the best out of a player like Luke Shaw if you're going to shout at him, if you challenge him the whole time. Luke Shaw's the type, particularly after the injury, he needed an arm around the shoulder. And I think, and I think Solskjaer has done that. And that combined with the changes off the pitch, it, people that he knows like Darren Fletcher uh, coming in. I think that shows why the, uh, the you know, the, the, the Glazers and Ed believe in him. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. He's, he's been flying Luke Shaw. But in terms of Oli again, how far do you believe Oli can actually take his team without some serious investment in the summer? Well, first thing you have to say about Solskjaer, it, look, he's not a top manager. He's not a clock. He's not a, um, a Guardiola. He's not even a sort of Tuchel. But I think he's the right man at the right time for Manchester United in sort of healing some of the wounds in the, the sort of the Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho era uh, in terms of addressing some of the, the squad issues, getting individuals out, getting the right people in, getting a new type of sort of a younger, hungrier type in. You could see that with sort of Diallo and players like that who've come in. Um, in terms of how far how far you can take them, sorry, was that your question? How far you can take United? Yeah. I mean, domestically, Manchester City, obviously, are way over the horizon. Um, yeah, your question was about investment. Clearly, they need more investment. I mean, you said, you know, Liverpool won the European Cup, then they won the Premier League. They didn't invest properly. They had a slide. It's not simply about bringing new talent in. It's, I mean, Ferguson was brilliant at it. You know, that sort of, he could tell when a player maybe had, had gone to, to his peak um, and needed, needed replacing. He was brilliant at replenishing, refreshing the, uh, the, the, the squad each year. And you, you do need new players. Probably need another central midfielder, centre forward. I mean, if you put Haaland or Kane, in your front line. I know Manchester United fans like Anthony Martial, uh, but I don't think he is going to be a number nine that is going to score a stack load of goals for you. I think eventually Mason Greenwood absolutely will take that role, particularly if he's prepared to work on the other side of the game, like the sort of, you know, the heading. And I mean, two-footed, calmness in the box, Mason Greenwood. I mean, you, you look at the young talents in this country and you probably go, Trent Alexander-Arnold, youngish. Uh, Phil Foden, Mason Greenwood, probably Mason Mount, Declan Rice. Those five, I would say, you know, there are one or two others, but I would say those five are the outstanding young uh, English players in this country. And I think Mason Greenwood, probably the, young, the youngest of all of them, I just think he he can go all the way as a centre forward. I remember the, your cup game earlier in the season at Luton, and we actually had a chat with with Ollie by the side of the pitch, about five or six of us afterwards, obviously socially distanced. And Greenwood had come on and scored. And we sort of asked him about him. And he said, listen, he can go all the way as a centre forward. Because often with, with young players, managers start them out wide and then they bring them in, toughen them up, make them understand the game a little bit better. Um, Mason Greenwood can be an outstanding centre forward. He's got that balance. He's got that awareness. He's obviously got the pace, two-footed. I mean, you know, I think was it Southgate said when he first came on training, he actually pulled Greenwood to one side and said, listen, Mason, which is your better foot? Because you'd know better than I, but I think you can take penalties with, with either foot. And I think he has done sort of, a, you know, an age group team. So, look, there's a fabulous talent there. So, I think long-term, he will be your centre forward. But he's got to work on, I know Heading's supposedly going out of fashion, but he's got to work on things like that. And that was one of the things Solskjaer said to us when we were talking to him. Because I said to him, I said, listen, Mason Greenwood, can he be your centre forward in the future? And he said he can be Manchester United centre forward for years to come. But he needs to work on things like his heading. If you're going to be a centre forward, you need that. Uh, and he said, if he wants to learn, he can come along and do that with me in training. And I thought, first, that was a vote of confidence in Mason Greenwood, that he can be your centre forward for years to come. But also, it was Solskjaer, who, who does these things. And people say always that, you know, the smiling assassin, he will smile. But there is a ruthlessness and a hard element. And that was clear in the second part of the, the, the sentence when he was talking to us about Mason Greenwood. Yes, he can be Manchester United centre forward for years to come, but he's got to work on parts of the game. And he then added, if he wants to come and work on it, he's, he's got to work on his heading. If he wants to come and work on his heading, he can come and work on it with me in training. Now, the implied, you know, we could have twirled that up into a headline quite legitimately, but, but, but 
we didn't out of respect for sort of Solskjaer and it wouldn't have helped Greenwood's development. But in terms, but there was an implied criticism there. He needs to work more on certain elements of his game. Every young player does. I mean, Solskjaer was pretty much stating the obvious. But I, I think with Greenwood, you've got such a special talent in, in Greenwood. I know he's had a, a, a dip. Maybe it was a post-Iceland thing, whatever. Young players do have dips. But he is a particular, he's an outstanding individual. But look, if you've got a chance to get a Haaland in, you've got a chance to get Kane in. Cavani is a fabulous player, but he's coming towards the end of his career. I don't think Martial is quite good enough for you in that position. He does have some fantastic moments. Rashford is probably at his best coming in from as a wide raider, you know, cutting in. Um, so, yeah, but you do need investment. But look, one of the big decisions you're going to have to make in the summer is sort your goalkeeper out. Because I'm a huge Henderson fan, but young goalkeepers will make mistakes. And, but I think he needs a run of games. And if De Gea, whatever, for family reasons, for footballing reasons, whatever, wants to return to Madrid, then I think if Solskjaer's brave, he'll give Henderson a chance. But there will be one or two wobbles along the way. I definitely agree with all that. Yeah, especially the Mason Greenwood yeah, points there. I, I think, think the sky's the limit with Mason Greenwood. Yeah, he's such a, <laughs> he is such a talent. Definitely. But it's down to him, though. You know, we can all say, oh, Solskjaer should be more responsible for his development. Southgate should be more responsible for his development. Ultimately, you know, if I want to do better at my job, he's absolutely, it's down to me to say, you know, the reason why you guys are a success with what you do is purely down to you and your hard work. And it's the same with, with Greenwood. And I think he's if, he, if he's, if he's got that, which I think he has, he must do. He's got great role models around him. If you look at the way Marcus Rashford works, if you way that Juan Mata works, he's won a World Cup, technically fantastic. Still, his, his application in training and everything, even when he's not starting, he rarely starts. I think he's outstanding. So if he looks at the people around him, look at Cavani. Look at, look at you can, I mean, I'm a layman and I, I just, I sometimes find myself in matches, Manchester United matches, sitting socially distanced and the, scattered around the, uh, the main stand, just sort of looking down and just watching Cavani's movement, just looking at his runs to the near post. And you just hope that, I'm sure Greenwood does, and he's got good people around him at the club, but just to work on that, just to look at Cavani, maybe watch him in training, maybe just get some clips of Cavani in training, how he makes those runs to the near post, how he's always on the move. Look, I think was it he got that really good goal at um, Craven Cottage. I was there and he, the ball came down the left. I think it was sort of Shaw and Fred were involved down the left. And then he, he made that run to the near post and there was a slight hesitation in the Fulham defence and he was there. And that, you know, that's, that counts as much as a 35-yard screamer. So I, I think Greenwood, if he, if he looks at Cavani, if he learns from people like him, if he learns from the professionals like Juan Mata, as you say, the sky's the limit for Mason Greenwood. Definitely. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> have you got have you got Bosch <laughs> nah have you nah I actually don't some people prefer it but with Manscaped definitely not worth yeah, it yeah right you definitely do if you haven't <laughs> tried the best from our sponsor Manscaped so if you need to take care of down there need to give it a bit of a trim then you need to check out Manscaped and we've got a special discount offer on for you as well Ronaldo we're giving you 20% off Manscaped products. Now, if you've not checked out Manscaped, then you need to. You'll have heard us talking Amazing. about this before. Amazing. Ronaldo lives by it. He's always looking after that. Ever there. since I've got the drop, I'm a change man. I'm not, I'm not even lying. I'm not even capping. It is life-changing, and he is, his life has changed, basically, <laughs> thanks to Manscaped. We're not just saying that. I mean, he's told me, I've not seen it, but he's told me that his, his <laughs> bushes never look trimmer. Um, so, yeah, you can check out our discount at manscaped.com using the, the code tier one. There's a link in the description because, you know what, you've got to keep things trimmed down there. Just I mean, on man. the... Look after it. You know it. what? Nurture it. it. You've got to nurture it. You've got to look it. after it. Because summer months are coming. We don't want sweat patches. We don't want that kind of issues. We want better hygiene. And I think with Manscaped, is a perfect way to go to shave down there and limit sweat and perspiration because that is very important if you disagree with me you're just nasty <laughs> yeah there you go you're nasty <laughs> so check out that link in the description mm. 20 percent discount they've got all the products as well they've got that great lawnmower technology they've got all the hygiene products so you've got the spray as well so you can smell nice like ronaldo was saying make sure you're checking it out another question that we we're going to ask you regarding the transfer window with the current financial situation both in europe and the premier league do you believe we're in for another quieter summer than normal? I think it'll be quieter summer. I think you'll see a few people going, leaving, I mean, not simply at Manchester United, but elsewhere. Um, 
I mean, you can see it now with all the shenanigans that are going on with the European Clubs Association and the Champions League to try and get make it more money spinning for the bigger clubs from 2024 and also to ensure that those clubs with a European pedigree, i.e. club like Manchester United, if you finish outside the Champions League places, that there's still a safety net. I mean, the, the greed of owners is um, knows no bounds. I think it'd be really damaging for the Champions League if you make it, you know, they're almost sinecures that you can get in each year. I don't think that helps football, you know, like any sport should be a meritocracy. You should be there on merit. Um, so will there be, yeah, I mean, clubs are taking a huge financial hit. I mean, clearly merchandising, fans not being at matches, you know, one or two issues with broadcast contracts. Um, and and they've, they've absolutely been hit. But on the, on, on the flip side of that, one thing I've got to say about your club during the pandemic, and I do a lot of stuff with, with a lot of the clubs, EFL and Premier League, on stuff that they've been doing with local communities during the pandemic. And there are clubs like Everton and Arsenal who've got long-standing foundations, long-standing roots in the community who do who have done amazing, amazing work for years. And Manchester United with the foundations. It's been absolutely critical. I know this is not, people don't think this is a football issue. It's not sort of sexy and fans really just want to sort of hear about how long Bruno Fernandes is going to stay. But actually clubs are more, you know, clubs are more than just the 90 minutes on the pitch. Clubs, particularly we've seen in the last sort of 13, 14 months in this pandemic, when you could argue that politicians, um, the leaders of the country have let um, society down. And it's, involved an individual like Marcus Rashford with his amazing work tackling child food poverty to get the government to, to see sense. I mean, I was talking to one or two of the people who sort of know the prime minister and sort of try to give him some advice. And I was just saying, you're not going to beat Marcus Rashford. He will <laughs> run. And this was early on when uh, the prime minister was saying, I was just saying he will run rings around the prime minister. A, because he's got a cause. He is right. He's experienced this himself with his child, you know, with having um, free school meals as a, as a kid. And I've met his mother and I know how hard she worked for those children with three jobs. And Marcus would hear her crying herself to sleep at night because she felt, I haven't got enough food to feed these kids. Marcus was on a mission there, still is on a mission. He's got the social media platform. He had right on his side. He had the country on his side. Manchester United fans as well supporting him. And it's not simply Marcus Rashford, you know, all the players, Harry Maguire, Katie Zellum, the, the lady, your ladies team, been involved in a campaign involved with the foundation, with, with kids coming back in grassroots football, to basically just to sort of encourage parents and coaches, but particularly parents, to say, look, it's a game. These kids have been sitting on a sofa on their Xboxes or staring at a blank wall for a year. It's really important when they come back and whether it's the kicks type scheme or the grassroots scheme that Manchester United run, the sort of street red scheme. Michael Carrick has got a fantastic scheme as well. Give these kids a chance. So Manchester United is more than simply the 90 minutes. It is about the fact that Old Trafford's kitchens have been open, feeding local schools, local families in need. I think they're, I'm not 100 completely sure of the final, the complete figure. I think there are about 180 food banks in Greater Manchester alone. That shows the scale of the problem in Manchester and it's echo countrywide. And it's fantastic that a club like Manchester United with John Shields through the foundations, good individuals like Harry Maguire, Katie Zellum, Marcus Rashford doing amazing things on his own as well as with the club. Harry Maguire um, are involved with this. So that is absolutely huge. So in terms of Whenever I think of a club at the moment and its behaviour during the pandemic, I think of how actually what it's done for its community. I can't stand the Glazers. I don't like the debt. I don't like the fact that they view Manchester United simply as a financial asset and not an emotional asset. They will flip it one day and walk away with probably two billion quid profit, you know, and and they actually haven't enjoyed it like you do, like I do as, a, as an observer covering Manchester United's growth. I think the, gray, the Glazers are a disgrace, but they're good people within the club. The club's not just bricks and mortars and an owner. It's the, it's the people within the club. It's Solskjaer who's got good principles. It's John Shields who's got good principles. It's Darren Fletcher. I had a long chat with outside Crystal Palace when you played there a month or so ago. And just and this was before I knew he was coming back in this sort of technical role. And I just thought, actually, Manchester United are in good hands. However much I may dislike the Glazers and what they stand for, and what their motives are and the debt and the pick uh, approach to actually buying Manchester United. Manchester United's heart and soul, I actually, I think, are in a pretty good place. So absolutely 
you know, transfers and Bruno Fernandes and everything. But I do, particularly during the pandemic, I've taken a broader view of a club like Manchester United. Just, just on that Glazer point, Henry, because obviously you've been very vocal uh, about the Glazers and against the Glazers, as, as many of us have. Do you, do you see any ambition there at all from them? Or is this, because we've been in this sort of cycle, sort of post Alex Ferguson, of qualifying for the Champions League, then having a bit of an underwhelming campaign, then another one where we have a little bit of spending and get into the Champions League, then it's another underwhelming season. It just seems to be in this cycle. Do you think we're sort of caught in that with these owners? Do you ever see us breaking out of that? Because we don't seem to be able to get past the sort of finishing in the top four or whatever. Yeah. We can't get over that line of a real title challenge. I know we've been briefly at the top of the table this season, but a, a proper title challenge just seems beyond us. And I don't think these, these owners, or do you think these owners have got any of ambitions like that? I think they'd be quite happy if you finished in the Champions League position and the money kept rolling in through these extraordinary commercial deals because you are a huge... I mean, I think it was Ed Woodward, didn't he say to the Stock Exchange a couple of years ago that Manchester United's success is not simply predicated on what happens on the pitch. The, the, the money deals from coffee deals or whatever around the world will still roll in. I mean, you know, you, you talk about this dip, but you've had another commercial deal recently with a company I've not even heard of from Germany. And everyone said, oh, the money's slightly down, but you've still got, you know, with, with is it Chevrolet leaving, you've still got, you know, a car deal, truck deal, whatever, that, uh, that, that will still go on. So Manchester United will still make money, which is clearly the Glazers' perspective. But I do think if, I mean, you've got someone like, Solskjaer, who's won a European Cup, who knows that feeling. You've got Darren Fletcher, who was denied the opportunity to play in a Champions League final because of a poor refereeing decision. You've got individuals in that club. You've got Michael Carrick, who's taken a penalty in a Champions League final. You've got players in there who know what it's like to be serial winners in the title and also in have won the Champions League. So I think they'll want that. I mean, if you I haven't spoken to Carrick for, for a year or so, but I mean, my understanding of Michael Carrick as an individual, and I helped him write his book, is, is, is someone who's a winner. He's got that Ferguson thing that defeats stay with him longer than victories do. I mean, that Ferguson, I mean, I'm sure if you talk to Ferguson now, he would mention, was it that Borussia Dortmund game when you had all the, or Werder Bremen, I can't remember what it was, one of the German teams, 97, where, was it Andy Cole, whoever kept on going so close and missing those chances, and those type of things. And that is the mentality that you want. Whereas I think, you know, that, that defeat drive you on. And also the memories, the fleeting memories of glory, of winning a Champions League, of winning the titles, will, will you know, that still exists in the Manchester United dressing room and the people who are defining and shaping that team. Um, but I think the Glazers are all about money. And I think the Glazers, as long as Manchester United are finishing in the top position. I mean, I would love it if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer called the Glazers out more and said, listen, we need to invest. Look at how, look at how the others are doing. Um, and I'm sure they will give him money. But you know what? You probably could have got Sancho a year ago. You probably could have got Bruno Fernandes that little bit earlier if they paid a little bit more. So, but, I mean, if they go big and if they're prepared to, to go for Haaland, can you imagine, can you imagine Haaland with his pace, his skill, his finishing, his will to win, his stroppiness when he loses? Can you imagine him as your number nine with all that creativity you've got around it with Bruno Fernandes, Pogba, who, you know, when he's fit and his head's in the right place and his um, agent is, is just not mouthing off? Well, he, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the best players in the world. You know, if you have him in that team and then you've got a fresh Rashford on form, Daniel James, who I thought didn't have the personality to play for Manchester United, but Solskjaer's used him in some big games recently. Uh, and he seems to have stepped up a bit also for Wales as well. You know, you've got, and you've got Mason Greenwood, you've got some outstanding talent there. You've got some sort of young kids coming through as well. So, but, but you just need, you do need a number nine to take it on. And I think that if Manchester United and the Glazers showed that ambitious ambition and thought, actually, just, you know, someone needs to sh send Manchester City, sorry, to, to send the Glazers a showreel of Manchester City's highlights and also then show them a team sheet, but not a Manchester City starting eleven, but of Manchester City's bench. I mean, I've been to, to, to games and looked at Manchester City's bench. I've actually just tweeted bench. because And you just look at that. And, I mean, Manchester City's bench will probably finish probably in the Europa League positions, probably, probably fifth or sixth, possibly even fourth. They are so good. And so Manchester United need to strengthen that. 
was gonna I was gonna mention I was gonna mention I think I said it to Jay I think Arsenal played City earlier in the season and I think City won one 0 and I looked at City's bench and I think everyone on City's bench would have started for Arsenal that day. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous yeah. when you look it's at it's some of the players they've been missing as well. Like yeah. De Bruyne has been out, Aguero doesn't even get a look in half the time, and yet they're still more or less walking the, walking the Premier League. Look at their recruitment. Okay, they've got the money, but they spend the money well. For me, the footballer of the year, well, I haven't voted yet, I've, I don't think I'll vote for another sort of couple of weeks or so, I'll probably vote for Ruben Diaz. I think he's just been sensational. He's made John Stones a better defender. He's allowed the the, the, the fullbacks, the slightly crazy fullbacks they have at times, whether it's Zinchenko on the left or Jao Cancelo going into midfield, Alapet, or Kyle Walker bombing on down the right. Ruben Diaz, because he can cover, because he's got the intelligence, he's only, what, 22, 23? He's younger than Stones. You know, I think, so if you buy well, if you, you target there, you go in there quickly and you buy someone, you don't faff around, which has been a Manchester United trait in recruitment uh, in recent years, then, then I think you'll get... Can you imagine you put Ruben Diaz alongside Maguire? You know, Maguire will always start for Manchester United and for England because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he likes him as a leader, ditto with Southgate, but he can get caught, he can get turned. I, I really like Harry. I think he's a, he's a you know... He's a, he's a good leader, and you particularly notice it behind closed doors with the sound because you can hear a Maguire. Um, but but Diaz, you've got to, so the Glazers have got to look at how Manchester City run things. Okay, they've got the money, but I, what I like about Darren Fletcher is that I think he's got the personality who will, in meetings, say we should be doing this. He's got that confidence, that experience, that sort of Scottish ingrained knowledge of the game that Scottish ingrained winning slightly stroppy mentality and he's a people person so he gets on with people but he, I think I think Fletcher will be a really good good conduit I think for for Solskjaer and the Glazers. That's good to hear I'm glad I'm glad to see Darren Fletcher taking a, a prominent role um, just you mentioned that Erling Haaland United have been linked with him been linked with him for you know since before he went to Dortmund last time I think we spoke to we asked you about Jaden Sancho I just wonder, if you, can you see United going for either of those players in the summer? Well, if you can get Haaland, absolutely. But I think everyone will be going for Haaland. I think Chelsea will be going for him. Manchester City will be going for him. PSG will be going for him. I mean, everyone writes off Barcelona, Real Madrid and say they've got no money. I mean, Real Madrid will probably sell another training ground. That They'll come good again. You look at some of the players that they're trying to, uh, to, to, to bring in. Um, yeah, I, I think what you'll see is you will see one or two of the very elite players moving, maybe not for the, you know, 150 millions, but certainly for 120, 130 million euros. Um, and then obviously a lot of movement of, of, of players being moved on because make no mistake, the pandemic has really hit a lot of these clubs with the financial, the financial issues, you know, they are hemorrhaging money, even with the broadcast money coming in. So, yeah, but I, but look, talent, if talent becomes available and Harlan clearly is, then, uh, then there'll be a lot of people uh, queuing up to get him. Do you think? Do you think the interest in, in Sancho is still there for United, or is that? Do you think that might have cooled a little bit? Because it was obviously in the, in the summer there was a lot of talk. It looked like a priority, and now there's questions about you know are United going to go in again? Is that sort of off the table a little bit? Just just do you see him moving on. A year ago, or was it a year and a half ago? I absolutely could see him going. I mean, the, the indication for his Manchester United was they would absolutely wanted him. He was their number one target, and they, they didn't move quickly enough. He obviously wanted to come back. He wanted to to play and deliver over here. I think he would be fantastic for you. I think he's. People say, well, he's had a dip, but I think that maybe because he's maybe his heart was set slightly on a move to come back here. But there's a fabulous player in there. You know, he's a, he's a starting international when he's on the top of his game. You know, he's young. He fits that Manchester United philosophy by young, talented. Ultimately, they have resale value, even if you've got five, six years out of them, or if they stay longer, fantastic, it's because they're doing well. So, absolutely, I can see Manchester United. I still think a number nine is your should be your main focus, though, because 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 Greenwood can play out right. Obviously, Sancho is very much a step up from uh, from Daniel James. I, I don't think the the width is so much of your problem at the moment. I think it is the number nine. I could. I, I feel like I would at this moment definitely agree with that. And another question in terms of the summer of the transfer window I would like to ask you about is what position do you believe United should actually prioritise in the summer? Number nine, definitely. 
um, as discussed. When people talk about central midfield, I know Fred had a poor game, you know, the other day, and he he looked a bit knackered, and his concentration was going. Was it the Leicester game? I can't remember. I remember one of the games was going. How has he come? Yeah, he stayed on in the second half. I was going, how has he stayed on in the second half? I can't remember which game it was. but he Sounds like the Leicester game, to be fair. I think yeah. a, a lot of us were saying that at the, at the time, Henry. I think he came on it off in like the 84th minute. And was it the Leicester like, game or the European game? The, I, th- I think, yes. Please, Kansas said both. I know in the Leicester game, he was having a bit of a stinker. Only yeah, made he, a lot of substitutions and didn't take, uh, I, I think he didn't take Fred off until very late in the game. Yeah. Um, it was a lot that, of backlash. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I had it, I think we discussed it last time. I wasn't particularly a Fred fan a year ago. And then I actually thought he'd had a re- he had a really good run of I mean, McFred, as you call him, the midfield combination with McTominay. I'm a huge McTominay fan. I just think he's, he's an athlete. He's a winner. He's got that stroppy, I want to win. I don't like it when I lose. I quite like that in the player, as long as he doesn't spill over too much. Um, I just think there's a, there's a, I mean, I, look, you see it more than I do, but I just think that McTominay's certainly been there. I know some people are calling for a... Look, if you could get Declan Rice, he's an upgrade on McTominay and on Fred. Declan Rice is an outstanding player. He's young, he's a leader, he's shown it at West Ham United, he's taken the weight of the captaincy on his shoulders. I've done a couple of interviews with him this season, and here's an insight into Declan Rice, and I know you're being linked with him, Um he, we had a really good chat at the training ground on Zoom and then he had to get home. It was like to beat the traffic or something. So he said, do you mind if we continue our conversation when I get home? I said, well, great. So uh, 40 minutes later, I called him at home. We continued our Zoom. You know, there was no agent around, no, no one from the club. He was just, you know, he was just a 22-year-old who was very confident in his in, in, in himself, in his ability, in his willingness to talk openly. And I think that there's a fearlessness in Declan Rice, which A, England needs because the shirt always weighs heavy. But also, I think that you need that fearlessness if you're going to play for Manchester United. I mean, you talk privately to one or two Manchester United people and they will tell you the players who they knew when they came to the club that they couldn't necessarily cope with the pressure, this is going back a few years, who, who who couldn't cope with the pressure of being a Manchester United player. Because if you're a Manchester United player, it's not simply what happens when you go into training and you've got a Roy Keane or whoever the modern equivalent is pinging the ball at you to see if your touch is good enough. It's not simply that. It's the it's wherever you go, you are a Manchester United player. There is pressure on you. There is people are filming you it is there's huge scrutiny on you and it's it takes a certain type of strong character to handle that Declan Rice can absolutely handle that he can handle, I mean he'll be an England mainstay for years to come injury permitting um and he's he's really he's, he's the type of player probably the type of player you need as well as a number nine in terms of as I say an upgrade on on McFred and he's got that ability he's got that he talks he encourages he gets into tackles. He doesn't. He rarely gets booked. Tactically, very disciplined. Just a very intelligent. You know, he'll drop. He'll drop between the two centre halves, split them, pick up the ball, bring it out from the back. Happy to take the ball under pressure. So I think if you get linked with him, well, I have no insight. I must. In the last speech, I spoke to him on the England press conference last night, and he was, you know, as good as gold. In fact, there weren't any questions about his future. Whereas whenever we get a chance to talk to Harry Kane, it's, it's are you leaving Spurs? Um, Whereas Declan, Declan's obviously very settled at West Ham, but you know what Sullivan and Gold are like. If if a club like Manchester United dangle a lot of money in front of them for Declan Rice, the West Ham fans will be absolutely heartbroken. They'll be livid hearing this uh, because he should because West Ham should be building around him. David Moyes would understandably go up the uh, the wall. I mean, his, his, when I did that, the, the sort of first interview with Declan Rice. Uh, he was at the training ground and David Moyes was going past. And I know, obviously, Moyes here. And he, he, he jumped in on the he jumped in on the on the call and he was winding Declan up about England versus Scotland in the summer and you don't know what's going to hit you and you know Tartan Army, you know, touch wood they can they can travel. And De- and what I liked about it was Declan handled it really well. He wasn't embarrassed, he gave a little bit back. He's a so just in terms of that psychological edge and strength, Declan Wright 
Declan Rice can handle putting on a Manchester United shirt. So he would be an upgrade. So coming back to one, definitely number nine. Look, I like I like McTominay. I like Fred, but Rice would probably be an upgrade there. I mean, if you have McTominay and Rice, well, that would be quite a combination. People always talk about you needing another centre-half. I like Eric. If Eric Bailly is fit, I think he's a terrific centre-half. I think Lindelof, whenever I feel like writing Lindelof off, he has a fantastic game or makes an interception or just shows his worth. I still think you need that. Your full-backs are great. Henderson, long-term successor, De Gea, fantastic. You've got enough strength out wide. If you can get Sancho, fine. But I would have thought central midfielder. I know you want someone who can pass as well. Maybe you want to Pogba with a with a more of a defensive streak. But I think Weiss could do a good job for you in there, particularly if you've got Bruno Fernandes floating around picking up the ball. Yeah, I was reading a piece about Declan Rice. He said, you know, talking about him potentially being a, a future England captain. The more I see a Declan Rice, the more I like. I know Lingard is obviously, he's like a player reborn at West Ham. Do you think there maybe could be a deal to be made there if he wanted to move to West Ham or United looked to move him on? And maybe as part of a makeshift, make weight, sorry, in the in a Declan Rice deal? It's funny with Lingard. I mean, you just, I mean, he's playing so well. I know Manchester United fans are saying, well, he's got a future at Manchester United. I mean, Lingard's had a strange career because obviously he's done some stupid things and the Instagram thing as well sort of slightly, you know, damaged his image. But actually, I've seen him in big games bring out big results. Cup finals. He dug Southgate with the under 21s out of a huge goal with the game. I thought, I can't remember if it was against the under 21s in one of the tournaments. England were really had their backs up at the wall and, and Lingard delivered. I think Manchester United and Lingard maybe have come to a parting of the ways in terms of Lingard needs to play regularly. He's reborn at West Ham. He's playing so well there. Um, sometimes players just need a, a change of scenery, a change maybe of training grounds, a change of. I don't know. But it's, it's worked for him. So, absolutely, if you can use him, I don't know what Lingard's worth, but if he can use him as part of the deal, then th 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 then great. But, I mean, David Moyes will fight hard to keep Declan Rice, particularly because he's so young. I mean, he could probably say to Declan Rice, listen, particularly if they get into a European position, he says, you know, get, just give us another year here. I don't know. De Declan is Declan's ambitious, but I can't speak for him. But he's, n he's not a mercenary. He won't move for the money. He will move for the opportunity and for the stage. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'd love to see him at Old Trafford, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I agree, yeah, I agree with everything you said about Jesse Lingard and, you know, those cup finals you spoke about. I think, I think Jesse Lingard, if he, you know, if he does move on, I know he's had a little bit of stick for United fans, I think he will always be remembered fondly because he's of got moments, those big moments. games, you know, Manchester the Emirates, lad. Yeah, and mm. the, the, the League Cup final, the FA Cup final. I mean, that goal against Palace in the FA Cup final, I think people, it almost went a little bit under the radar because of what happened with Van Gaal afterwards. But that was a, man's, uh, a, a massive moment Definitely. and a magnificent goal. Definitely. You have mentioned earlier that you do believe United should prioritise a number nine in the summer. And we've spoke about Erling Haaland as being a possible option. Do you believe Harry Kane could also be an option for United in the summer? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the only issue there is dealing with Daniel Levy. I think it, it was interesting listening to Kane the other day because Kane's pretty diplomatic. He, you know, he said quite reasonably, he said, listen, I'm not thinking about anything at the moment. I'm thinking, you know, any decision that I have to make on my future, if I have to make a decision, will be made in the summer, which is completely the right way to, to focus on things. He's got, he's got a League Cup final with Spurs. He's got to try and get Spurs back in his position. That's not going to be easy. He's got England. He's also Kane... That Kane wants trophies and he wants the opportunities for trophies, but he's also he's mindful of records. And I can remember talking to him once about four or five years ago and he said, what I would love is to beat Jimmy Greaves' Spurs goal scoring record. And then if you if you talk to him now, he is he's got what 33 England goals, so he's 20 short of Wayne Rooney's England total. He's 27, he's probably just around halfway through his England career, maybe just slightly over that in terms of having started slightly later. Um, so I think it, that would very much be inside. And and Harry Kane, those goal-scoring records would be absolutely huge for him. So he could stay at Spurs, tick over, break Jimmy Greaves' record, will will play, um, obviously on a regular basis for Spurs, might towards the end of each season not necessarily be involved in so many competitions. If Spurs aren't so good, 
that will keep him fresh for the summer. Um, so he would then, you know, he would carry on doing his what was it, six goals in the World Cup and, and, and then getting closer to Wayne Rooney's record. But I don't know. I think if Spurs don't finish in the Champions League positions, I think Harry Kane's got a very good case for saying, listen, I've been loyal to you. I could have left after the Champions League final. I could have left last season. I think now is the time, 27. This is a huge moment for me and my family. Um, but just one thing about Harry Kane, he's he's very settled where he is in terms of with his family, um, you know, with living in London or near London. He's There's not much of an ego to Harry Kane in terms of, I want the headlines. I mean, I want... He's, he's definitely not driven by money. I mean, I know him through the London Playing Fields Foundation and he does amazing work for there, putting back into uh, the grassroots facilities in the north of London, Walthamstow, where he grew up, David Beckham country, where he grew up. And things like that are really important to him. He's, he's a pretty grounded individual. That said, that sort of character exactly fits in with the type that... Um, that type of character, good citizen, inverted commas, that, that, that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer likes. Having said that, I think Manchester United and Solskjaer, they want young. And Haaland, I think, fits in, fits in better. The other thing you have to be aware about with Harry Kane is the ankles. Now, some of the injuries that he's got, if you actually analyse the injuries, it's, and some of them have just been challenges he didn't need to make, a centre-forward's challenge on the halfway line, so not as if the, the, the attacker, you know, the opponent was threatening goal, but he's almost done it to set a tone to the other players in the team to say, I am the captain. I am, well, not the captain because Lloris is captain, but I'm the most important player. I am the England captain. I am going to go and put in a tackle on, on an opponent to set the tone, to, to get you lot going. And they're just, and you just think, why are you doing this tackle? And then he would turn his ankle. So, have a look at the ankles, but everything else about him, he can play as a nine, he can play as a 10. He's a great leader. He's a fantastic role model off the pitch. You've obviously got the England element, which brings in more money. You've got his, his there's no ego. You won't have any issues off the pitch. He's a good team player. He'll, I mean, the dedication of Harry Kane is just second to none in terms of, you know, you talk to him about his diet. You talk to him about how he stays in shape. I mean, he probably works harder in the off-season than some players work during the season. I mean, he's a remark. He's an absolute sort of beast of a performer. So he fits all those elements. Um, I would just say he's, what, he's 27. How old's Haaland? What, 21? I can't remember, 2021. He's so young. Um, I'd still go for Haaland ahead of Kane purely on the age range. And that's kind of the bracket that, um, that Manchester United have been buying in. It'll definitely get better longevity. Um, we've obviously spoken about a lot of potential arrivals in the summer. We haven't spoke about players that we could potentially keep. How likely is it, do you um, think Pogba could actually still be in a United shirt after the transfer window? Each time I think Pogba is going to leave, each time his agent said, and, and that's another issue you have with Haaland, is agents and are Manchester United prepared to pay and all that. Um, I, I, I would love it if, if Pogba stayed. I mean, I think in Pogba's mind, he probably sees himself at, at Real Madrid. Um, I think it's a pity. I just think why now's not the time to leave Manchester United. You've got good, young, hungry players. You've got a manager who may be not A-list, but is actually the right man for Manchester United at the time. You've got the structure sorted out. Well, I can't believe there'll be many clubs who'll pay him more than he's getting paid at the moment at Manchester United. Maybe PSG could offer a little bit more and Paris is a wonderful place to live. Uh, Madrid is a magnificent place to live as well. But it's about, it's about opportunity. It's about love. You see, it's interesting talking to some players who've left English clubs and you ask them what they've missed. They often say, well, the dressing room, the family element. People underestimate that. You know, people, obviously, money money is the, is the driving force with a lot of people, um, glory and trophy opportunity. But also, do you enjoy going into the training ground? And I can imagine, I mean, it's not the prettiest of training grounds to get to Carrington, past all the pylons and the sort of, you know, the, the donkeys in the surrounding fields and probably, I think, part of the airport or the airport car park on one side. But you drive down that lane and then you go through and it's it's like going to a sort of FBI holding camp somewhere out in the Midwest, I always feel, with the sort of, you know, the barrier being raised and they sort of check you as you go in. But you go in there 
And then you, you talk to the players who are obviously in the inner sanctum and they just say what a welcoming place it is. And there is a family feel to it. And that's quite a big thing to walk away from. And I think players are aware of that, particularly after international duty, when they talk and they say, oh, such and such is a cold place. I don't really enjoy going into training. I think everyone loves going into Carrington because obviously they enjoy the, the training, but there's a buzz about the place, particularly under Solskjaer, who's, who's brought the, sort of, you know, the smiles and a little bit of that warmth back. And I think, look, footballers are flesh and blood, and they've probably appreciated that even more over the past year of the pandemic, which has put their profession into perspective and what are the important things in life and who are the important people in life, the NHS the doctors, the nurses, the, you know, the research scientists who, who found, discovered the vaccines. Um, and maybe they've sort of, they've become a little bit more human or the human side of players has, has come out and you've actually seen that. I mean, I think if I look through Manchester United's team and I think of the people there who I really respect people, like Juan Mata with the work that he does with uh, Common Goal, obviously Marcus, the work he does, Harry Maguire, you know, the charity stuff he does. They're really good people at Manchester United. And I thought Chris Smalling, obviously he's in Rome now, but he he's involved in a charity called Football Beyond Borders. And he, he held a fundraiser, I think it was at Harvey Nicks, in Manchester uh, or Selfridges, one of the two. And um, it was it was like the week that Solskjaer had just returned as manager and he turned up to support Chris Smalling and his sort of charity fundraiser. And I thought, well, fair play. And the manager Matic was there as well, showing his support. And I thought that really showed there is a heart in that dressing room. And that's quite a big thing to to, to leave. So um I hope Pogba realizes that when he, you know, talks to his agent and thinks about his future, that will he have the enjoyment the day-to-day working enjoyment of, of of another club. I don't know. Um, it's you know, it's it's up to him. But for me, now's not the time to leave Manchester United. Now's the time for Pogba to knuckle down, be fit, and just be the best midfielder in the world, which he can be. And Manchester United is the place that he can he can do it and lift them. Absolutely, absolutely. Just a couple more questions, Henry, before we let you get on. Um, you, one player you know quite well is Marcus Rashford. You mentioned him quite a few times. Um, and we all love Marcus Rashford for many, many reasons. One thing that is a slight worry, I think you broke the story last week about him needing an operation and he's going to wait till after the Euros to have it. He is a player that will always put his body on the line mm. and we've seen him do that. We've seen him limping around the pitch. You know, he's, he's that type of, of, of character. He always wants to play and will always do his utmost to play. Are you worried at all? Or do you think we should be concerned that perhaps sometimes he does need taking out the firing line, almost protecting from himself or protecting from his own enthusiasm? Because there is a danger, or sometimes I feel there's a danger that he's going to end up getting long-term injuries or damaging himself long-term because he's always willing to play and because we become so reliant on him. Particularly in the winter period when you'll get a player. I mean, Ferguson always used to say this about Scholes. He said during the, the winter period when they, the matches come thick and fast, when the conditions weren't the best, when you were travelling all over the country, he would say to Scholes, to Scholes, or Nicky Butts, just say, listen, we've got four games in like nine days. Please, can you give me an extra game? And they know that Skulls would. And whether that would then have a, a long-term impact on Skulls in the summer. Look, Manchester United have got good medical people. They will be keeping an eye on Marcus Rashford. But as you say, he wants to play. I was amazed that look, he wanted to, we had this out with Southgate. He... Rashford wanted to report to England. That's a sign of a good atmosphere in the camp. He wants to be part of it. He wants to be part of the whole England um, in, in the summer at the Euros because England could maybe get to the semi-finals. Um, but at some point, you have to take the decision out of the players' hands and say, listen, Marcus, just relax at home for 10 days. He's got people who come into his house who will treat him, who will look after him, conditioning, strengthening, physios, people people like that. It's obviously got his brothers who are so good for him and his mum keeping an eye on him. Um, and he's such a professional. But sometimes you just have to say, listen, you living your life at 100 miles an hour with all the stuff that you're doing um, with, with your performances on the pitch. I've never, ever felt that what Marcus Rashford does off the pitch is ever impinged on what he does on the pitch. I actually think it's a compliment 
it with an E uh, and with an I. Um, but also, I think when Marcus Rashford goes and plays, there's that extra element is that he knows he's playing for all those kids that he's helping. So all those kids who are waiting for a meal that he is now delivering to them because the government, you know, didn't for a while, um, that they will, they'll hear about Marcus Rashford playing well. They might catch it on the television. They might watch your, your, your pods and your programs and see what Marcus does as a footballer and how much he's delivering. And that will lift them even more to know that there is someone out there who is fighting for them. Just he is, he is fighting for the ball and fighting for a goal. So, yeah, I think with Marcus, I just think he needed a break. And look, let's rewind to Solskjaer bringing him on. Was it in the cup game against Wolves? Yeah, with his back injury. Yeah. yeah. He's got a double stress fracture of the back, which you can play with. But if you've ever seen Marcus Rashford close up, he's incredibly willowy and thin. And you think, don't get a back problem because he is, because he's tall. And you just think, well, any, you know, it could be an issue there. So give him the break. Solskjaer didn't give him the break. And then he had the injury. And I think he possibly would have missed the Euros if he, or would have been a doubt for the Euros if they'd gone ahead. So, and now with this shoulder injury, the one thing you've got to say about Manchester United, they've got first class medical people. Marcus himself will have, will, will know his body. Um, but I just thought it was wrong of Southgate to call him up. Um, you know, he should have just said, like Arsenal did with Bukayo Saka, who stayed, he had that slight hamstring problem after the North London derby. He stayed at Arsenal and they got it worked on. Saka will go to the Euros. That's that's never in doubt. Marcus Rashford will go to the Euros, never in doubt. Marcus Rashford should be starting for England in the Euros. So just give him a little break now. Obviously, you can't say to a player, go off to Dubai or wherever and have sort of 10 days in the sun and relax there at the moment because you can't travel. But just, even if it was just for sort of 10 days at home, He's got this new book out. He's sort of working on literary things. He's got that very active mind. So he will, you know, I'm sure he'll occupy himself, would have occupied himself somehow. But just maybe take him out of the firing line, you know, a, a, occasionally for, his, for his, his long-term benefit. In terms of the shoulder injury, what, what Manchester United are doing is that they're managing it so that he can carry on playing. But there is a consideration that he may well need an operation after the uh, after the Euros. I don't really like play- look. No players hundred percent fit. They've all they're always at ninety percent. They've always got niggles, whatever. But because of their strength of personality, and Marcus has got this fantastic will to win. He will go out there and and play. But you just don't want to exacerbate anything. I mean, there was one moment when I think he went over, either went over an advertising hoarding or went off the apron of the pitch and landed. You think, well, if he's going to land on that shoulder, maybe it pops or does some more damage. You've got to be aware of these things. So, you know, let's not, this is a general thing with footballers. Let's not keep taking them to, to, to the well every time because the well might dry out. Definitely. Definitely agree with that one. Definitely. Finally, um, we've seen the news, we've all seen the news that Aguero has announced that he will be leaving City <laughs> in the summer. And there's been a few United links as a result. Do you ever see that actually happen? I know it does sound very far-fetched and unlikely, but how possible do you see that in terms of a possible transfer? No. (laughs) (laughs) Anything's possible in football. I never thought Cantona would go from from Leeds United to Manchester United. Um, I I just can't see that. I mean, if... The dream scenario is that he goes back to Independiente and just has a last hurrah back in his homeland and he's loved by people. I think if you look at the way that he's moved, I think he's moved with respect. So he went for, he spent a long time at Atletico Madrid and then he went to, to, to Manchester City. I think he would show respect to City. I, can't, I just can't see him going to, to Manchester United. Wow, I can imagine that. Welcome to Manchester. I can just see, I can see the banners now. You lot would have some fun. I think you'd... Um... For the memes. Yeah, that's it. We talked about this last night, <laughs> saying exactly that. Yeah, we'd, do, we'd get them back for the Tevez one. They, they might put the statue on hold at the Etihad. Look, he's been a fantastic player. And I mean, that moment you know 93 20 was just i was there and PTSD. Uh, <laughs> PTSD. i mean you were up at sunderland weren't you just so yeah then it was uh, yeah michael carrick said he could uh he, he can still remember the sunderland fans chanting after the game um when the result came through and they and ferguson when they got on the coach made sure they didn't forget that um 
but yeah, but that moment, I mean, where we sit in the press box at, at the Etihad, there was a row in front of us where you got to know the fans there and they'd dig you out over something you'd written or if you'd been critical or they'd like something you'd written, but th th they were just turning around. They were just in absolute bits. Look, you've, you've been through it. You've won so many titles. You just know that even the, the you know, the first one back is the nerves, the nerves through them. When Aguero, that was the only person who could score that, you know, and he was, it was utterly brilliant. But just one thing on that, and this is a general point for football. Can you imagine? I believe in VAR. I think we've got to have it, but I just think it's overused. Can you imagine that 93-20 moment and that joy? Was it Joe Hart doing handstands and the players running around and Aguero ripping his shirt off? Can you imagine if there'd been a VAR moment there? And you're just looking at was there, you know, was there a foul in the build-up or an offside or whatever? I often think of that when I when I'm writing about VAR, I think of 93:20 and taking the enjoyment away from that instant explosion of joy for the players and for the supporters. Um, but yeah, look what a servant he's been. He's obviously he's been well paid, but you've never seen any negative headlines about him. He's been incredibly professional. And what I liked about him, even though he was an absolute ruthless finisher, almost a Gerd Muller type of, of finisher. When Guardiola came in, he sort of challenged them. You know, they had that famous meal at that Italian restaurant in Manchester and he, they sat down, they talked about family and things like that. But then they had a 20-minute chat about could Aguero develop his game and create space for others, almost players of force nine, linking, tracking back a little bit, doing the type of roles work that Guardiola expects of players and Aguero and people thought that's it Aguero's off because he's just a finisher uh, and actually he developed and he's just he's, he's, he's been fantastic so I can't see him going to Manchester United um, I hope he goes to Independiente I hope he goes back to Argentina and throws himself into all the sort of the amazing community work he does there and just actually has three years basking in the love of his Argentinian supporters um, but I do hope this is a general thing that <coughs> this is a Manchester City thing but you know all these players that we're seeing now who are going this is a general thing at all clubs is that fans haven't had the opportunity won't have the opportunity to say goodbye to them and I think that is really sad you know and you know you've lost some some players during the, the pandemic um, you know who've sort of passed away Leeds United have had four of their greatest ever players pass away I just you know when football returns that emotion of being able to say, you know, goodbye to those who've passed away. But also I hope those who have just moved on, in a, you know, in a literal sense in terms of to other clubs, they get the chance to come back and say farewell. And I'm sure they will at Manchester City. I wonder if um, he'll come back for a Manchester derby, Aguero, um, just to sort of watch again. You know, and he looked a lot, it's a loss to the Premier League. So I think he's been fantastic to watch. I wouldn't put him in the top three centre forwards I've seen. In, in the Premier League era. I know we just talk about the Premier League era, but just to define it like that, but you'd certainly put him in the top five or six. Yeah, it's a shame that, obviously, fans would have to send him off. I'm, I'm glad to see the back of him nah, being brutally honest. Probably, I was gonna, <laughs> like, what, what I was going to lie to you, Henry. What I was going to say is probably, it probably is a shame that all 26 of the fans... Like, oh, yeah, yeah. nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, be able to see do you know what? It's a good point you made about VAR, though, because I always think about the 99 final and you know when Sheringham scores and he looks across suddenly to see if he's onside and you can you imagine, been, yeah, imagine VAR, well, yeah. he goes to VAR and then do you get Solskjaer's winner after that? It's uh, it's one of them. Henry, it's been great chatting to you. Loved all that. Even yeah, the, well, apart from the Aguero 93-20 bit, but um, <laughs> appreciate you coming on the channel again um, and, and chatting to us uh, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. Definitely. And most importantly, enjoy the five-a-side tonight. Yeah. <laughs> try to yeah try to long. so big thanks to Henry Winter for coming on it's always great chatting to him isn't it? he's got, always got that enthusiasm you can see why players are willing to chat to him because he's 100%. so enthusiastic about the game knowledge is second to none very knowledgeable and honest yeah. as well if you don't honest. know he'll tell you you don't know and then if he does he'll he's tell great, you he's a great listen Henry Winter yeah so hopefully we'll get him on again soon in the transfer window perhaps because we're going to be coming back for that aren't we We've definitely we've, a, we've had a little bit of a break I think hiatus, well, what would you call it hiatus, hiatus. I don't know so, got a thesaurus out but but <laughs> We, we, we're back now and we're going to be even better yeah. especially when the transfer window starts when the up. transfer window comes back in we'll start doing these every week got um, some great guests got some great guests don't you worry about that uh, if you're not doing make sure you're hitting the like button sharing and subscribing that's been Ronaldo Brown Ronaldo where can people find you? you can find me on Twitter you can find me on Instagram I'm a little bit better on Twitter though Ronaldo Brown underscore 98 I'm sure that Cam 
the lovely laddies will tag me some point or somewhere in this image or video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so make sure you're checking him out. You know where to find me. This has been the Tier 1 Transfer oh. Podcast with Henry Winter. Thanks for watching. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.